Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Well, well, well. Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of the Create More podcast with me, Ben Stewart. This fortnight, we are with Johnny Steiner, who is uh, the co-founder and creative director of OpenDesk. Uh, OpenDesk are, are kind of, uh, they used to be part of Zero Zero. I'm not sure if they still are. You have to listen to the podcast to find out. Uh, but they, they they do really, really cool, um, uh, I guess, I want to say open source furniture design. Um, I think when you listen to the podcast, it's kind of, uh, what's really cool is uh, I think you'll hear how it's kind of changed and progressed over time. Um, but... Uh, when I originally heard about it, it, it was this idea that, you know, uh, you could just, anyone could download these files and build the furniture, but uh, it's a much too simplistic way of looking at it. And uh, what Johnny explained to me was um, uh, that's kind of how it started. It started as a, they started um, zero, zero kind of, uh, they're an architecture practice, he's an architect there. And uh, Johnny was part of the um, WikiHouse design team. Um and as part of that, they obviously learned a lot about CNC machines and they started kind of in a very kind of very um, wonderful kind of simple evolution. They just started designing furniture and um, they actually designed their own award winning furniture. It's absolutely gorgeous. And it's kind of it's progressed from there. And now they're working with um, massive companies like uh, Greenpeace and uh, Nike or Adidas and um they're doing really, really well. And what's really cool about OpenDesk is that it's now like, it's like a full-on platform. Um, so it this is one of those great podcasts again, which uh, which I find really inspirational. It's kind of, it was a kind of a passion project that uh, Johnny got into and he's really invested in it. And I think at the end he says he's like, they're like 22 people and they're like a full-on startup now, uh, which, which is brilliant. So... Um, you should go on their website, opendesk.cc, and uh, check it out because um, it's. I, I love the idea of OpenDesk. It's the same thing about WikiHouse and this idea of um, not cutting out the middleman, but I think it, it, the simplest way to describe it is um, why why would um, why would I design a desk and then build it in London and then ship it to New York? Uh, there's, there's so many costs associated with that. So what Johnny. This is a very simple way of looking at it, and it's, it's much more kind of uh, elegant and uh, uh, kind of grand than this. But a nice way to explain it is their idea is well, there's people with CNC machines in New York. There's actually people with CNC machines in in so many different places, uh, and I guess a lot of these CNC machines they're they're kind of they're they're you know people in workshops. They have you know latent capacity. You know they have they're not constantly being used. And kind of Johnny's idea is that, you know, it's much simpler to design it here, send the digital files for this, in this example to New York, and then if uh, and then the CNC uh, workshops within a mile of where you are, they're the guys that build it, manufacture it, and then you pay them, and a cut goes to the designer, a cut goes to them because they 
produce the kind of platform to create it on and then you cut out all the costs for kind of shipping um and yeah it's it's I love that idea, and um, they've they've got like these kind of I can't remember the name of it now. Um, you should listen to the podcast. Uh, but they have all these kind of workshops all around the world. Who are, they're all kind of joining in and building this furniture, and it's a really open, transparent way to pay furniture. And it, it's um, there are no hidden costs because it's, or they're all very very clear up front. And I think what's really really nice is even though you know this isn't cheap furniture, this is really really elegant high end furniture. Um, but can be done in an almost bespoke fashion. Um, and what's really cool about that is, it, while it, if you've never bought expensive furniture before, it seems expensive at the beginning, but then once you find out all the individual elements that go into it, you're like, oh, do you know what? That's actually all right, I get it now. And to have that kind of clear communication and have that really great story, um, I think is really good. So it's it's one of those podcasts that kind of builds and he explains more. And it's uh, I had the same thing with Alistair Parvin where he just kind of, questions the very fundamentals of of how an industry exists and uh they're they're, they're always my favorite ones you know like why you know just question everything and uh yeah so he's doing really really well so um tune in the end and find out who've got a next fortnight's podcast but this is a really good one so uh enjoy bye bye Okay, well, as I said mm. to all my guests, I don't really have much of an introduction, so uh, sure. you, can, you can consider this your introduction. Fine. But I'm here with Johnny Steiner from Open Desk, and uh, I think I should start by uh, allowing you to explain, because you to explain what Open Desk is to someone who's never, never heard of it before. I'm going to put you right on the spot. <laughs> sure. Well, thanks, um, Ben, for the invite. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it's actually very interesting in so much as there's lots of ways to actually describe what we're doing at Open Desk with Open Desk um, yeah. and how it's perceived by different people. So, I mean, one of the things I like about asking you to explain that is that I do, I totally agree that I've gone on your website and I explain mm-hmm. to people what it is. And every time I seem to explain it slightly differently. Yeah. So, uh, what's, uh, yeah, which, which is your preferred sure. option? <laughs> no, well, really, I think what it's on one level, what it's doing is sort of asking a question about how how products um how goods are made today and sort of challenging um some of our sort of maybe preconceptions or some of the ideas that a lot of things are based on mm. um and it's but actually it's very a simple thing which is really about saying um there's a lot of people um all over the world who have the capabilities to make things um there's a lot of designers out there who've who've designed things and can design things increasingly using digital tools mm. um, and what open desks really doing is is connecting the two and then making um, these designs um, both makeable through different people's workshops mm. and available to um, to an audience of both um, kind of hobbyist makers um, and also um, sort of clients who would actually would like to buy some furniture so it's really about sort of leveraging um, an existing kind of network of designers and makers. So, so at its kind of most general level, then you would describe OpenDesk as a furniture manufacturer or furniture designer. Like, uh, yeah, is that? Is that, is that I think that's that's one of these difficult questions because we we really see ourselves as more of a platform that connects. Mm. Um, and obviously, in order to start this, we needed some we needed some designs to work with. Mm. Um, and we are um, I'm a, an architect, and some of the other co-founders. Um, have you know architecture and design backgrounds so 
um, there were sort of pieces of furniture that we we already had to work with. Yeah. Um, and so in some ways, we we did start by designing um, products, and in in that sense, we're more like a furniture design studio. Um, but really, our aspiration is to grow this into a a community and a platform. That's. I mean, it was. One of the things that uh, the last series of the podcast, I interviewed uh, Alistair Parvin, who you obviously work with and is also at Zero Zero. And one of the nice things about that was it became a much bigger conversation about, as you said, just kind of flipping the industry on its head. And one of the things I liked with his and what I'm hearing from yours is that you weren't necessarily aware of what it was when it started. It's it's naturally evolved into what it is now, which I always think is a much Mm. harder way to explain to people what it is, but it's a much nicer way to start your own Company, right. isn't it? And I think this this is also really kind of rolled into how, how it started um, and um, the design studio Zero Zero, which grew out of a group of people who studied together, um, myself, um, Nick, who's one of the co-founders at OpenDesk, um, a whole group of interesting people who weren't all sort of architects, but um, the studio was really kind of architectural studio to start with that was interested in um, as designers, um, less about the world of design but the design of the world if you like mm. the kind of bruce mal <laughs> yeah quote and um you know and how as designers we can actually really have a positive impact and then sort of how do we have the most positive impact as designers what can we do yeah. um rather than sort of waiting for people to come to us with with jobs um can we actually be propositional can we can we do research and think about sort of pressing issues and can we you know, perhaps, uh, you know, start projects which start to answer some of those questions. And I think, mm. you know, Zero Zero is a design agency, which is obviously still going strong. Um, the idea is to sort of make, ask those questions yeah. and then try and support um, people within the team to start answering, trying to answer those questions. Um, and WikiHouse is is one project. And then I'd say OpenDesk is, a, is another project that's kind of trying to answer some of those questions. Um, and they're sort of sister projects, really. I mean, I want I want to... Obviously, I want to focus on Open Desk first, mm. uh, and then come on to kind of. I'm still fascinated by Zero Zero, so we'll come on sure. to that in a bit. But what what was, how did Open Desk first start? Like, what was you, were you an architect at Zero Zero doing projects, and then did you? That's right. So, after a couple of years of designing various buildings, um, you know, and doing various feasibility studies, and working on actually quite a range of projects. Um, we we got a very small commission to work with a software company um, based in Clerkenwell. Um, they're called Mint Digital. They're you know an interesting company that sort of develops both um, digital tools, but they're also interested in sort of bridging into hardware. Um, at that time, it was mostly sort of software, and so they they asked us to look at the design of their new studio. It was pretty kind of small in terms of the budget and what we could actually um, achieve in a you know, in a modest space, in a kind of warehouse space. And so we quickly got talking to them about how they work and how they want to kind of occupy this space and how as a sort of team of designers, um, you know, how could we facilitate what they do? And then it became clear that sort of furniture and the occupation of space, which are obviously very interested in sort of performative aspects of spatial, you know, design, um, not not so much the aesthetic, but kind of what, you know, you know, how could we actually facilitate their workflow, if you like? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we looked at the furniture and we sort of got came to this conclusion that, we, you know, perhaps we could design something for them that sort of fits into what they were telling us. Um, and they also liked the idea that they could sort of become involved in the design process. 
Oh, so they um, were quite heavily involved. Oh, that's, that's really yeah, good. Yeah, so as sort of, you know, a digital agency and to some extent designers themselves, they, you know, they became sort of fascinated by, uh, you know, we, we looked at different technologies, 3D printing, laser cutting, mm. you know, ways that we could get involved in the production of something. Um, and then, you know, CNC is such a tried and tested technology. Um, we, you know, we thought, well, actually the, the economics, you know, and the sort of speed and the availability of these tools, um, you know, even in central London, we could, we could design something perhaps and get it back in a very short space of time and just test it. Yeah. And that's really kind of how it started. And what was it, was it a case of them trying to, did they have a limited budget Were they trying to save money? Were you saying, well, don't, don't go and just get off the shelf stuff. We, we feel like there's an opportunity here for us to create something kind of cool for you guys and you, you was it was it a monetary reason that they were like thinking? Oh well, you know. We could. I think it was something to do with the value of that we could bring to them as an organisation, and mm. um, where that was, you know, how where does that lay? Where does you know? Um, so, um, you know, we could have um, used their budget to make a, you know, beautiful floor or incredible lighting. Yeah. Um, but they they sort of you know they wanted to sort of um, if you like focus the budget they had on something that they were really going to interact with. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so, you know, I think that was a kind of interesting brief for us to start. Because I think when, whenever you think of a, a startup office, you always think of like smash bricks walls, polished concrete, old windows, but just like stunning furniture with some sort of Apple product. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's kind of what I imagine. No, I think they'd moved out of, their old office was kind of, it looked a bit like um, the kind of community centre in the middle of, Hackney or something it had like a pool everything they were sort of working around a pool table and it was all sort of haphazard and they really wanted to it was the next step in their evolution as a, as a, as a company and so it was an important moment um, and the other thing was that they they'd got a kind of um, uh, sister um, studio in New York um, and they wanted to have the same furniture in both studios so that's the other kind of component to the story so oh, okay. we got us thinking about right you know if we're going to design a piece of furniture for you are we just going to make kind of double the amount and sort of ship it across the world um actually the the sort of process the technology that we started looking into really started to point towards well you know we can make things local to where sort of people are so this idea of distributing yeah. the recipe to um, an object rather than shipping the actual object. That's such a good idea. I mean, I remember when, when you came before Christmas and you showed me, uh, it was the first time I kind of got it and you just explaining it's made me remember where you're saying, well, why ship the materials? You just ship the digital design that doesn't cost anything. Yeah. And then it's that last, What didn't you say it was like five miles away you made it or two miles away or something? Yeah, I mean, we've got some um, something that we often sort of try and show clients is, you know, um, okay, um, for example, we work with Greenpeace and they were very excited about the idea that, you know, they know where not only the materials are coming from, for, you know, from forestry where it's all sort of sustainably managed and things like that, but we can actually show them on a map, okay, the workshop that's going to build this for you um, is actually, I think it was just over two miles away, um, they're in Hislington and the, the workshop's in Hackney Central. Um, and so that, one of the sort of briefs on that job was like, we want to be able to go and visit the people that are making the furniture in our lunch break. We want to be able to cycle <laughs> there because we're Greenpeace. We want to be able to go and sort of check up on it. We want to have a little bit of input into some of the design. They they wanted to make a few changes. Yeah. Um, so actually, I think, you know, there is a real interest in the sort of provenance of 
of goods now and yeah, definitely. you know sort of how things are made and sort of where you know the raw materials are coming from but but also you know who's making it and are they being fairly treated and you know fairly paid and so all these things kind of come into play when you look at local making yeah I mean, that that's an interesting point you're saying uh you can check that they're you know they're looked after you know you it's not just you know where they were built you know that those three guys who built it they like their jobs they're happy it's i I was listening to another podcast and they were explaining um, about corporate greed and they were saying, you know, just because you're a billion dollar company doesn't mean you can't, you know, save a bit of money and just treat your workers slightly better. And it was, I'd not really thought, you really do see the cradle to the grave mm. kind of process. I mean, in the materials, do you always, all your designs always made out of the same material or do you use whatever's local or is there a lot of flexibility or do you have a... Yeah, kind of, um, I think so one of the challenges we've got with distributive manufacturing we have to sort of think about designs which are universally kind of makeable so you know there's a, there's a certain logic to saying well are we going to use a sheet material that's a standard sheet size that's that we know is available around the world mm -hmm. and um maybe a standard range of thicknesses and that leads you down certain sort of avenues mm -hmm. um obviously certain materials are more readily available in certain places so we'd always try and uh, source materials as close as we can. Um, yeah. Obviously, in the UK, we don't have a huge amount of forestry, so uh, most of our plywood is coming from, um, you know, Finland and the sort of Baltics. Um, and is states, that the material so. you primarily use, plywood? Isn't yeah, it? so we're looking at sheet material. Um, you know, regularly it's sort of an 18mm thick birch ply. Other lat sort of we, We've got then a whole option on sort of the, the face of that, whether it's a laminate. Oh, okay. know, or different colors or different types of finishes so um, but the process really with the cnc cutting is that um generally around the world there's a sort of standardized um minimum size which is your kind of eight by four uh, plywood sheet and then there are larger machines yeah um and this you know this is sort of setup of the machine and the availability of sheet material sort of plywood that's that's where we started with this kind of universality of you know availability yeah. It's cool because I was uh, I was just having this chat with my best friend yesterday. He wants to get a desk, and he showed me a desk. And I was like, I hate that desk, and I sent them a link to uh, to your website. I was like, this is what a good okay. desk looks like. Yeah, and uh, he was like, yeah, but me, I don't have that much money. I was like, well, you can download the designs for free. And he was like, well, why would why would they let you do that? And I'm like, well, because the building bit's the hard part. <laughs> like anyone can, you know, not anyone, but the designs. Yeah. It's an interesting kind of topic on. Uh, copyright and stuff, you know, with music and stuff. You're saying, well, no, the the digital mm. thing's the free bit. It's the yeah. So I mean, to explain more about that, um, you know, obviously uh, we're talking about digital designs. So we're talking about being able to share the um, information needed to make something, you know, by email or you know. So so we are able, you know, sort of sharing is a, is a massive component in yeah. you know building something that's distributed. Um, so that's, you know, um, but it also comes, you know, with these questions around. So if you're sharing things, how, you know, how do you make sure that everyone gets fairly kind of paid or, you know, um, how do you protect uh, the IP yeah. of design? Um, and so, you know, these are really valid and interesting questions. And I think, you know, being open desk, our default position, if you like, is to say, you know, it's really good, we think, to take a kind of, um, view that you know sharing information leads to sort of 
a kind of net benefit for everyone. Yeah. Um, but obviously within that, we're not, we're kind of agnostic to any specific designer's um, request. So the way we work is we say, you know, as a designer, if you have a design that you'd like to sort of host on the, on the web desk platform, here's a suite of licenses that we've used before. If you've got your own better one, you know, fine. Um, yeah. uh, typically that's creative commons. So you have then um, a kind of range of options in terms of making something completely open, which is a CC zero complete open source license right down to um, the sort of non-commercial um, Creative Commons licenses, which actually um, limit the use of that file. Um, but obviously what we then have to explain to designers is that, you know, yes, this, there's also an element of trust here in, in, yeah. in the system. So, um, you know, and then as a designer, you can say, well, actually, I'd, I'd prefer this to be a paid download. So someone has to actually physically, you know, pay for yeah. that file. There's so um, many business models, I guess, that you can adopt on especially because well you've been around for how many years now it's three yeah we're getting i mean the original designs that we made were probably about three years ago but we 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 did some sort of crowdfunding last year so that to us felt like the moment when we really came together as a team yeah Um, so it's been about a year and a half of a proper team sort of working on it so going back to the the creative commons license i get uh this is just me being naive and not really Mm. knowing much about it again but when uh, this is, I had not actually thought about it until I spoke to Alistair last year, and it was uh, the idea that there is a copyright, but the copyright is held by an open platform, so it can be used, but it's not like someone can then steal it and then mm. steal the design. It's it's a copyright to that person, but they can't then go on and sell it. That's that's quite kind of well. That depends on the license. So if uh, if you go for a non-commercial, what you're basically saying, there's also um, there's sort of attribution and derivatives um, components to these licenses. So you could say, you could choose a license which is kind of non-commercial, no derivatives, attribution, which means, okay, if someone wants to use my design, they have to credit um, the, if the author, which would be you. Mm. Um, most people want that. That's one of the most common requests. Um, but you're also saying no derivatives, so I don't want anyone to do any versions of the design. It has to stay exactly how... I've designed it, mm. uh, you've designed it, um, and you're also saying uh, no one can use this for commercial gain. They can make it for themselves at home or whatever, but not non-commercial. The other one is um, there's a share-alike feature, so you can specify that someone can take your design um, and if you allow them to create a version, um, you would then request that they share that version to back to the world mm. under the same terms it, under which you licensed it. So there are these controls and they are, you know, kind of legally sort of binding positions. But yeah. obviously, just like digital music, we know people go off piste and do things. Um, Not us, obviously, but <laughs> people. <laughs> that, that, that said, I think it's worth unpacking a little bit more about like how it works. So for us, yeah, what we find is that um, people come and they say, okay, look, I want if I make this open source or a kind of relative, you know, very close to an open source um, Creative Commons license. How, how am I going to get as a designer? How am I going to get anything back? Mm. Um, am I just, aren't I just sort of throwing this out into the world and that's it? I'm really um, glad you're asking this yeah. question because this so, is exactly how I think. <laughs> so what we're what we're saying is, okay, Open Desk has a network of f- between five and six hundred makers now around the world. Um, it's on a, a direct. We've got a kind of directory, so it's kind of listings. 
Um, you can go on there with a postcode. You can search. You can find a maker. So imagine you're in San Francisco. Um, you could then put your postcode in. The chances are um, one of the makers, uh, we've worked with them recently, so they're, they're called Lucid Machine Art. And you'll get through to a guy called Rob, who's a very nice chap. Now, <laughs> Rob, it, Lucid Machine Art, has basically, he's... We've, you know, he's he's we've sent him some documentation to say, look, we think you know we think you're great. He's sent us information showing us the machines he's got, the quality. There's a whole kind of quality component to how we verify makers, but part of this verification, if you like, is also to say to explain the model and say, look, you're a great maker. We're going to get jobs in San Francisco area, Bay Area, through the OpenDesk website. Um, what we want to do is be able to tell somebody like, you know, a tech company, a startup, whatever, yeah, yeah, we've got a fantastic maker called Rob who can make this for you. Yeah. Now, Rob, what we're asking you to do in in return is to factor in, um, regardless of the license of that design that, that that's chosen by that tech startup or whatever, mm. we're asking you to sort of factor in everybody. So we're asking you to factor in just like your expecting to be paid to cut the material, just like the client's expecting to pay for the wood, for the plywood. Mm. Um, we're asking you to also kind of respect the designer and the fee that they've chosen and also the OpenDesk platform. So what I think the makers mm. find this interesting because as long as the price they present to somebody is, is a reasonable price and it's not kind of out of whack with, you know, the market yeah. that would expect, I think it's it's actually in... And they can also tell this story to to the client... I think people find this quite compelling that they know where their money's going and they know their designers not getting squeezed or yeah. cut out of the system and they know that OpenDesk's taking a, a kind of mar you know, a percentage for basically connecting everything. And if they think that's unfair, they can they can call, they can email us, they can tweet us, they can say, you know, what what is this for? And we can explain to them, well, this is for, you know, testing products, sort of building our website, you know, all, all the other things that we're doing all the time. Lots of stuff in the background. It's just hugely transparent yeah. on your part, isn't it? That's the idea, yeah. So I, so in using that example again, if, uh, if let's say, for example, each desk is £1,000 mm -hmm. and then the designers put it on as a, I don't mind who builds my design, does that mean that they don't get any money? So they don't get any money because they haven't put in their, their, their kind of creative licensing they don't um, get any money, or do you go? Oh no, you've actually got a bit of a kickback here. What or... it means, sorry, what what it means is that the designer would actually choose. Um, we would let the designers sort of choose what percentage they think is fair to um, to get paid every time a product is made. And um, interesting, so they norm... decide how much they. Uh... Yeah, so it's so it's also a kind of experiment in itself to see, you know, okay, I'm a designer. If I go and work for a high street furniture brand, um, you know, well known furniture brand. I'll get dictated to in terms of okay, um, we're going to pay you two to three percent. That's on the price of the design, uh, the, the making of an object, um, and we're also going to sort of ask for exclusivity. So only we're going to make this design, and we're going to control everything, right? Mm. So from the OpenDesk perspective, it's saying what we want to do is be you know create a better scenario for the maker, but for the designer too. So. You know, as a designer, what we're people will ask and say, "What's the sort of fair amount?" Um, and we're sort of we'll just be honest and say, "Look, normally it's probably around two to three percent. We'd say between eight and ten percent sounds sounds good. That's you know that's what other people have chosen. Uh, if someone yeah. wants to go way higher, then you know, good luck to <laughs> 50, them. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so it would be an experiment to see if anyone wants to then pay more for a product that might be 
you might have a comparable product that's a lot less. That's it's such. I love it. It's such an interesting idea that. Uh, so, in that example of the thousand pound desk, hypothetically, mm. if I then whacked my percentage up to fifty percent, it would be fifteen hundred pounds. But the the guy buying it would see that you know a yeah. good chunk of that. It just it's just me, you know, yeah. chancing it. I think there's there's basically a bit more work for us to do to explain all this to somebody like to the to a cons- to a consumer to someone yeah. buying something. So, as a platform. You know, we set ourselves this this kind of mission statement, you know, can we rethink how things are made, make things locally and sort of respect everyone in the in the supply chain, in the ecosystem. Yeah. Um, what we now need is more volume to go through this ecosystem. So we're, we're making more things with more makers, more designers. Um, and, you know, you know, actually, so we, we need to be become more of a furniture company in the way we, you know, attract work and sort of more throughput through the system basically um and then once we have that i think it's really appealing for designers to yeah. say okay yeah every time your your desk gets made if it's if it's one of our large desks yeah and it's going to be like around a thousand pounds or something mm. you you know you could be earning a hundred pounds per desk and you know that we are working now with some really big clients so people are ordering you know workspaces for 200 people so you know you can see where it goes it's, yeah. it's kind of yeah that's wicked i mean i'm trying to th- i think that it's uh, it's really interesting to uh, for a designer to have that sort of control. I, I guess mm. suddenly when you go, well, how much do you think your design's worth? It's like I don't know. I guess you police yourself so much more. You know, you don't get greedy because you don't want to be. I, can it, can anyone else see the percentages of every other designer? Is that individual? Well, that's. I think that's. So because we're still in the early, relatively early days, really as a company, we. You know, we spent a lot of time working on building up the the network of makers so yeah. that we can actually make things in different locations. Um, now we're doing a lot more work on sort of the website um, and we're working a lot more now with, you know, with designers. And so some of these things are a work in progress. That side of it, I think mm-hmm. everyone's pretty much defaulted to what we um, nudge them towards, if you like. Yeah. But I, I hope soon, yes, it will be, it's it's all transparent, but at the moment there's probably not much variance. Um, I think when you present it to a client, I think that's actually interesting. Mostly, pretty much without exception, everybody really likes to know. They find oh, yeah. this they find this fascinating to know that everyone's being fairly paid. Everyone's happy with the amount they're being they're receiving. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and all the other things like they can meet the person. They can you know we can let them speak to the designer if they want to change something. Um, so yeah, I think it's you no, know that's I, the way forward. I, it's always uh, I I I'm having such a distinct memory of uh, autistic now, Alistair, and like I'm thinking so much as you're talking because it's like the th- first time I've really thought about it in in the way mm. you're describing it, and it's like I remember getting the house renovated and they just give you a price and you're like, what? That's how much? But then when they break it down, you're like, yeah, okay, every one of those seems reasonable. Yeah, and then it's more palatable because you're mm. like, okay, so it, I was looking at the website today. And it's, it looks amazing, and all your fo- photography on there is amazing. And I noticed uh, on, on Twitter and Instagram, mm. you've just been doing a photo shoot. But mm. so, is your is is the open desk business model in that you get a small percentage for creating the whole infrastructure and all of the kind of research and development that's going? I mean, that's so yeah. much work. Again, it's like an understandable chunk. Yeah, I mean, basically, what's happened is because. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm an architect by training, and so is Nick. And um, within the team, there's a certain kind of, um, you know, we've actually a lot of our early work's been through 
you know, knowing, um, you know, people within the industry. And so doing the first sort of open desk projects were without really having a website and, you know, somebody seeing the first desk and then us making a co-working space called the hub where zero zero and everyone used to be based. Um, and people kind of coming along to us, literally we're sat at a desk and they're like, where, where's this desk from? <laughs> to the point which we were like, right, we cannot keep having to email files to people. It's getting really kind of tiring. We need to build a web. <laughs> we just need a website where people can download the files and we can send them a link to the website. That's kind of how it started. Um, oh, you were like, oh, we just built this on a CNC machine. There's the files. Go yeah. Yourself. I mean, we people knew us in the space because we we designed the overall space um, and we're kind of hosting it a bit as well. But... Um, but yeah, you know, it was a kind of an incubator space for sort of um, social enterprises. So people would start there and then they would kind of grow a bit and they would move out to their own office. And so, you know, they'd be looking for furniture. And, you know, it was a kind of virtuous thing, if you like, yeah, yeah. actually to start with. Um, then we decided, OK, let's build the first version of the website, to basically to kind of host the files and things. Um, at, that, at that point in time, we got a little bit of press coverage, um, TechCrunch, which is in yeah. Hacker News, like some some kind of techie kind of coverage that's surprisingly um, has a surprising impact, you know. Mm. And so all of a sudden our website just totally crashed and it was <laughs> all went a bit crazy. So we had to do some fast sort of fixes on it. And then that's really when it all started to kind of click and we realized, you know, this is rather than a kind of after hours project, this is something that could be a lot bigger. Yeah. And it's and it's asking this interesting question. And, and and actually we're starting to find ways to sort of answer that question or at least sort of test it out. Um, um, and, yeah, so basically then with the website, the question you asked, uh, yeah. so we've now got to the stage where a lot of, you know, we've worked with a lot of big clients. Um, I might go along and sort of, you know, meet with people and sort of talk about how to plan out a whole office or something. But really what we want to do is be more of a, a platform online business that's mm. about connecting a person in a location with a maker and the design they've chosen. Yeah, definitely. And so really this sort of, um, the, the earlier projects have, have kind of supported the development of a platform. Mm. Um, we'll still continue to do bigger projects because we love to work with, you know, all different clients, but we can see that the online, um, you know, um, basically connecting people up, um, connecting people up mostly um, with a sort of lighter touch with less sort of, involvement is yeah. is really the future so that um it can grow um you know this kind of new model really because I, I just thinking about the way you're talking as well it's it, the reason i always find these this 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 concept so interesting is you're essentially saying well, yeah we'll, we'll give the digital design away for free it's a kind of a cool controversial statement to grab people's attention but then once you actually drill into it you realize there's so much more than just the design there's the, if you think about like what what percentage of the overall thing of it being an idea to being in someone's house the design whilst very very important mm. once i mean you can sell that design or give it away for free but the, the involvement at each end to get it done is so yeah, i mean it's worth maybe recapping on so you know in some senses it's free in other senses we do yeah we do have a kind of this relationship with different makers and then we've learned uh, over the last year and a half or two years um quite a bit that you know we didn't start out we weren't um experts in cnc we're not any still not experts in cnc but we know more mm -hmm. um we've learned things and there's kind of things there which help us to make things um you know because it's it's really the idea that we're, we're making 
potentially quite a large volume of things just by sort of having a Skype call and a few emails. And what we're really wanting to get to the point where a a workshop, a maker at the other side of the world can actually um, sort of request the files for a design um, and they will just get them sort of sent to them from our database. So we're building almost like a, in the architectural world, like a kind of MBS specification Mm. of our own for all our products and future products that people would invent and bring on. Um, And there's all these kind of nerdy technical things around like when you're making something with a CNC machine, the tolerances of parts are very important, the sort of tightness of junctions and um, of course all plywood's engineered but there's a there's a sort of um, there's a range there in sort of allowable um, sort of thickness variance, variance so we've now got parametric tools that can actually give um, a maker a file specific to the sheet they've got so down to the tenth of a millimeter so you know we we might make oh, wow. you know people can download the file which is designed for um, a kind of nominal 18 millimeters or a perfect thickness we can actually serve a file that's specific to a piece of wood for a maker in in a location whether it's metric or imperial you know all, all these kind of things mm. so there's a kind of layer of sophistication on top which we can now serve through nice. the network so you know, if you're in a makerspace like a, a fab lab, you can, you know, you can just take the file and start making something for yourself. You'll, you'll also have to sort of adjust for these kinds of things, these tolerances, and that people do that. Um, mm. But if you're making a big project for a big client, you really want to get it right first time. So that's where some of the think, some of the thinking and learning we've done really kicks in. Have you, uh, uh, feel free not to answer the question. Uh, have you had an instance where you've just seen a design? that's cropped up that was obviously off your website but is in like a shop has that happened yet because i always think mm. like what's what is stopping a big business from just just stealing yeah no that is a good question um i mean i think that doesn't i don't think i'm not sure that has happened um i think there's probably a lot of things that have been made around the world that we're not aware of or um you know it's interesting if you look on sort of social media you see things cropping up all over the place um <laughs> and it's but I think actually the world we're in, you know, we're quite okay with that. And I think we've made yeah. we made it clear to everyone, you know, all the designers especially, that, you know, this is kind of how things work. Um, you know, a lot of established, if you like, traditional furniture companies spend huge amounts of resource um, kind of chasing down, you know, counterfeits and things. And, yeah. you know, I think it's better to spend our energy on building something that... Um, you know, provides a route for designers and makers to, um, you know, find work and sort of actually get the exposure across a whole network. That's mm. what we want to focus the energy on. Obviously, we want to make sure that people feel like their designs are, you know, then their IP is safeguarded to the level that they are happy with. Yeah. Um, I mean, a good example for us is a designer who's uh, a guy called Dennis Fusi, who's based in Sao Paulo in Brazil. Uh, he he just found out about Open Desk. He's uh, studied architecture and then he got interested in furniture as well. Um, he designed some chairs, some basic kind of simple chairs, um, and he sent the design to us. One of the first designers to contact us after we'd set up the first website, and so we thought, wow, this is great. Someone sent a design to us. We we prototyped it and it was actually you know it worked really well. Um, then we got contacted by a client. Um, for a project called Here East, which is the redesign of the uh, media center on the Olympic Park. Um, and they were after, um, initially they wanted a kind of conference table and some chairs. 
in a very very short space of time. I think it was like literally two week turnaround. <laughs> um, but they they they'd seen OpenDesk um, and they were intrigued about the sort of idea of getting something made locally. So you know, to cut the story short, we were able to make that in a very short space of time, almost within um, view of the Hiris buildings because we have a maker really close by. But we proposed to use Dennis's chairs alongside one of our table designs that we knew was, you know, we we tried and tested. Um, and so they bought something like 50 chairs. Um, and so, you know, for him, this is fantastic. Yeah. Just because he's made his design open, he's really happy to see people downloading it and making it for themselves um, in, in kind of fab labs all over the world. But he's also getting the benefits of sharing in terms of, you know, that was probably quite nice for him as a designer to receive both you know that commission yeah um, and also obviously to get paid for it so uh, see, I, see, I always wonder if for creative people i think there's a certain element of even if you gave away for free it, uh, anything just to see other people enjoying it mm. is is always going to be one of the most the best feelings i guess as long as you feel like you've not been cheated out of anything the money is nice and it's good but i would imagine that most people feel so proud to see one of their designs, you know, being used and stuff. Yeah, I think, I think there's that's there's definitely an element to that. Um, I I do think though that the in the, in most cases what we we find it's almost the other way around where um, people are quite respectful of design. People that make things for a living, um, they kind of value the imp they value the time that someone spent to design something. And they, they also themselves care about the making of something. So these are two things that really, I think, count in our favor just conceptually. Um, yeah. Makers are with you know, ge massive generalization, but the makers we've encountered are all the sort of people that, you know, take a lot of care over things. They they want to make things beautifully. They yeah. want to make the customer happy. They want to make us happy. They They don't really want to send out something which is substandard. They also value their time. They want to be paid properly, and they value the time of the person that designed the the thing they're making. So yeah. we get people contacting us and saying, "Oh, someone's emailed me this design. It's it's one of your designs because all our designs have you know um, a kind of you know identifying kind of code and sort of um, you know basically some information on sort of how to make and and some guidelines and stuff." Um, a lot of makers contact us and say, "Look, we've had this. Someone's brought this to us." And, you know, how do we pay you, you know, or, or is it okay for us to make this because it's for a, you know, a charity or a non-commercial thing, but we just wanted to check yeah. that that's okay. And, and so it's, it's actually really fantastic. Um, that's great, isn't it? I think people do respect the value of design and the, the amount of work people put into things. Um, yeah. But as you said, because there's transparency, because everyone can see exactly how the money, you know, the way you've just explained it, you know, you're you're not cheating money out of a massive corporation. You're actually just stopping the designer getting money, which mm. especially if you're willing to spend, you know, decent amount of money on getting some nice furniture. The story is so nice, isn't it? I think um, that's the thing I like is that people see the story as much as the design, I think, is nice. I think so, yeah. Um, definitely, you know, we, you know, we, we do like, obviously we like the things that we've designed, Um Every, I guess everyone puts real love and care into yeah. things, but it's it's about being less precious about the design and sort of taking a step back and saying it's about this bigger kind of mission or vision of kind of rethinking, uh, you know, a 20th century model of 
production where everything you where everything well, kind of still is made where like land and labor is cheapest and everything's shipped yeah like we don't have to live in that world and you know and we're just saying that there are you know viable ways to kind of challenge that um and that we think there's benefits for a lot of people in challenging that and doing it yeah, in the right way definitely um but yeah i mean obviously we you know we've been lucky you know one of our original desks got nominated for kind of an icon furniture design of the year which is you know very nice obviously but yeah. when we designed it we didn't it wasn't really <laughs> okay let's design a beautiful thing it was like let's design something that's you know designed for, for a certain process that allows us to share it to version it yeah to know okay if we adjust this it will cost less you know because we actually designed it to be really simple to cut out so that we kept the tooling costs and the milling costs down and we also designed it so it all slotted together without any fixing so it's just pure just plywood slotting together you know so there's all these kind of considerations which i think then feeds into kind of the aesthetics and yeah. how something how something feels the kind of logic of the piece would you feel that you're starting to develop a, an aesthetic there's 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 the there's the open desk aesthetic well i think a lot of people have asked that because we started out with this idea of designs that are a kind of embody to some extent the process and you know the being true you know this kind of honesty material to materials and to process and to sort of making so i think yes that does it, it does kind of it's a product of that but um one of the challenges for us now i think it's how we grow a library of designs mm. um and bring designs from lots of other designers in but still kind of curate a certain level of quality both in um the actual design of a piece of furniture but also in the relevance of that piece because we're finding a lot of people send designs to us that are quite novelty or very hard to make or you know and, and to be honest it's not really in anyone's interest to spend a lot of time developing a product that actually not many people would want so yeah. i think one of the challenges is to find things that we think fit at the moment with um you know the kind of demand side because then it really makes sense to everybody oh, so you do curate the stuff that's on there then it's not a kind of an absolute free-for-all then no i mean that's that's actually as i was saying before we focus purely well largely on building up this network of fabrication workshops and makers um we we have a kind of space on the website where people can upload designs and people can sort of vote on them it's a bit like a pinterest board oh, really? and as the you know the votes accrue then your design kind of moves up um, the idea is to then sort of say, okay, if the community's voting for these things, then let's let's look at those as the kind of next products to bring on to the platform. Um, really unfortunately, cool. it's you know we we started out thinking we could design all different furniture and we could make it all over the world, and we we actually took a step to say let's focus on you know the UK and certain cities, um, and let's look at mostly kind of workspaces because we had this. Um, you know we were based in a co-working space and we had all this kind of experience of designing a workspace furniture for startups and small businesses and sort of creative businesses so yeah. we knew that we could be really quite competitive and disruptive and so in a way you know it's like if you're a small creative business and you've grown from two people to 20 people where are you going to get your desks from it, it's actually there's people asking that question all the time mm. um, so it seemed you know, and, and that seemed like a good place to start because it was the knowledge we already had. So 
Um, that's the approach we're taking is to kind of incrementally add to this range. And so we have to, you know, this design library. So we have to really um, explain. I think we need to do better in explaining that to the kind of design world and about yeah. you know, designers out there that we're actually looking for things that kind of fit around um, an existing range because that's kind of in everyone's interest. I think. Yeah. Well, it's are you so you're full time at Open Desk? You, you, uh, yeah, yeah, I am now. And uh, how long have you been full time then? Um, well, it's probably been about a year and a half. Um, so from working on architectural projects um, and sort of, you know, moonlighting on Open Desk yeah. in the evenings to this moment where we got this, you know, we did this crowdfunding um, and, you know, that was really successful, actually. Um, and then realizing... Was that, was that a Kickstarter stuff? It was called Crowdcube. So what we did is it's it's actually crowd equity. So it's basically like saying to our whole community of, you know, um, people that have downloaded designs or just been interested in OpenDesk, you know, we'd like, you know, we'd like, we need we need some money to sort of develop things. What we'd like to do first is ask you as a community, would you like to kind of have a, a bit of ownership of the company wow. um, rather than sort of, you know, going to some kind of venture capitalist or something. Yeah. Um, that was the approach we took and it was, yeah, remarkable actually. Every, there was a lot of response and it, we, we sort of managed to get our target in 24 hours. <laughs> What was your target? You um, like to say two hundred fifty thousand. Whoa! Yeah. You go. <laughs> All right. So, so when you, I don't really understand equity. So when you say equity, does that mean that? So let's say in ten years' time, the company's worth ten times mm. as much. They can sell that stake and get. Yeah, it's basically own. like buying a share. So um, I think the, there's a minimum. It might have been ten pounds, um, and obviously, um, yeah. I don't remember the exact numbers, but that that translates to a fraction of a percentage of the mm. company. So um, then, obviously, as the company grows, your you know the value of your fractional share increases. Hopefully, <laughs> um, and yeah, and, and and there's obviously a threshold. So you um, you have to have a certain size to be able to say, right now, I want to sort of you know sell my share because um, the, the idea is that there's I think there's a couple of hundred crowd investors so mm. you can't have a couple of hundred people coming to a board meeting and saying i want to <laughs> you know do this or that but there's a representative of all these crowd funders who's at our board meetings who represents their interests who's oh. himself a crowd funder so um you know it's obviously we're being transparent about that as well yeah. you know what, what we're trying to do as a company and so now i'm really interested i've just been listening to a podcast called startup i right. don't know if you've heard it and yeah, uh, i think and yeah. uh it's like an american one but they just start a podcast company it's amazing because this is the first time i've really been aware of equity stakes and stuff so right. d how many of you i guess you're the the other equity side are you is there like four of you two of you just you, mm. you, yeah you? no this is interesting too um so you know the zero zero um design um studio um we you know we developed this open desk idea if you like as a as a project like any other mm. project so at the same time i was working on a, a building in sheffield um other people in the practice were maybe doing some um, you know, writing a piece of research, working on WikiHouse, building other architectural projects. Um, and so it's a little bit different to this kind of idea of, you know, the startup founders who are going to work out of their bedrooms uh, <laughs> in their parents' house, earning nothing and then sort of hoping something will happen. I yeah. think it was, it was a slightly different route. And actually, you know, that's quite a good thing, really. I think we had the support of the whole team. Mm. Um, we were you know, backed by ourselves. So, yeah. you know, the idea of Zero Zero is to support ventures, 
you know, and as a, as a group of people, we'll, we'll decide, okay, yes, we think this is something we should invest into for maybe six months or whatever. So it's, it's almost like being able to seed fund your own little projects yeah. within the design studios is, is the idea behind Zero Zero. Um, and then amazing idea. what happened after that is that a couple of people joined who were kind of external and worked with us for the past year um, because they had specific kind of, you know, knowledge around sort of raising funding and, um, uh, you know, things that we didn't have, things we needed in the team. Yeah. Um, they now have that kind of converts to themselves having, you know, personally a kind of a percentage like uh, of the company. Yeah. Um, but the rest is, is essentially... Um, the crowd funders and then zero zero so so you know my ownership's basically through the ownership that zero zero has as a, as a kind of collective group of people oh so zero zero owns the majority yeah they're still the the major sort of shareholder if you like wow man there's projects and then that seems like a fairly <laughs> complicated project isn't it yeah i think <laughs> you know it's it's i think it's it reflects as well the ideas behind zero zero which is um, a different model, um, both in terms of, you know, how you approach design um, and um, designing um, whatever project it is that you're designing, mm. um, but also how, as an organisation, you work. So there's, you know, it, it it brings up interesting questions that, you know, are you know, quite hard to answer and very yeah. long. But <laughs> yeah, well, about kind of ownership models, um, governance models, um, you know, hierarchy. Um, you know, but 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 things that I think are very, you know, valuable, um, and and have proved so far at least to be, you know, really the reason that we've been able to do projects like Open Desk and Wikihouse. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it seems like a very supportive area. I mean, obviously, you you know, you've got to work bloody hard to get it off the ground and stuff. But what a great thing to kind of um, to do as a company, right? As as a practice, zero zero. That's kind of it seems really interesting that they're willing to put that level of investment and research, you know, that that you said it got treated as a project, you know, not as a kind of worth, you know, you do it, but mm. doing your own time. But I guess, you know, you applied certain amount of fee. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, the whole idea with zero zero in a way is to be that platform mm. to say as a group of people, you know, thinking about, you know, um, the value that we can bring to any, any design challenge or, you know some big quite big topics um you know how do we how do we approach that and as a group of people how do we also cater for everyone's sort of differing um interests and mm. skill sets and sort of you know so it's you know it's on the one hand it's quite unusual on the other hand it's Im- amazingly kind of um you know inspiring to be able to say well yes we can you know, as a group, we think this is the thing that we should yeah. we should try. And and obviously, not everything works. We've worked on things where we've developed. You know, um, for example, we worked on a few web web sort of based projects that had some success, but in the end, it was decided that you know this let's sort of uh, sort of move on to the next thing now. Um, so you know, there's 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 all different types of projects in there. And one of the questions I want to ask you: So you've been on you've been on uh, OpenDesk for a year now, full time. So do you do so that's no architecture that's that's kind yeah. of you're running your own business essentially that's right do do you miss architecture just curious yeah i uh, i i think you know there's a lot that i'm asking I you a loaded question about <laughs> designing buildings and yeah. just generally kind of so many um opportunities you know when you design things mm. and um i think uh, well i think what we share is just you know across the whole zero zero team 
is this kind of desire to you know design things but also question things yeah and so when we're designing a building i think it's we're, we're we're approaching it in the same way as if you know there's a certain logics that kind of come into all the projects irrelevant of the kind of scale yeah if you like so but yeah obviously it's also very different like the last project that was a building that i worked on before home desk took maybe three and a half years and it takes a lot you know it's quite a sort of it takes a lot of stamina in a way yeah. as we all probably know as architects to get to the end of a project yeah. um and this has a very different pace and different sets of challenges so in some ways it's it's, it's very refreshing but at the same time i you know i, I love you know love designing yeah. buildings too yeah well i mean it must be it must be nice for you just to have a you know change of scenery if but it seems to me that the momentum is definitely on your side and it's doing nothing but growing in size and it's almost like your new three-year building is actually creating some sort of web-based infrastructure, a worldwide infrastructure, you just up yeah, to scale. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess the challenges could probably bigger because there's, there's just so many kind of things that we're learning as we go. There's, there's a great team of people um, that have got great experience in, in, in all different sort of aspects of what we're building. Um, so everyone's bringing different things to the table. There's... You know, I think there's actually what's really exciting for us. I think it's that we've managed to get a team of people who are really proactively excited about the mission, and so it's you know people kind of are just genuinely excited. I think to be doing what they're doing, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um. And so it feels like everyone learns a lot every day, and you know we want to bring kind of some of the learning from zero zero in, which is let's create an environment that everybody can sort of. You know, there's there's a hierarchy, but it's as flat as we can as we can manage, and and anyone can sort of say anything. So it's this idea that the kind of best idea should win. Yeah. Um, there's no kind of wrong thing to say, or you know, anyone can really get access to any information at any point, and sort of you know use that in a positive way, constructive way. That's great. That's cool, isn't it? Well, I mean, I, this has gone so quickly. We're already we're almost at the hour mark already. So mm. I'll uh, I will uh, I'll try and wrap things down because I've taken up your time. Um, what is a uh, as I was saying, I feel momentum's on your side. I feel like Open Desk. I maybe just because I knew I was going to come on points, but yeah. I see you a lot more on Twitter and and, yeah. and everything. So, what what's next for Open Desk? Like, what's um? Mm. Well, I think there is this question of you know the things that we've been building. Um, the last year has been has been a lot of building um, the kind of tools to then allow us to actually deliver on the sort of promise or the idea. So. Um, you know, uh, within the design team, there's people working on sort of parametric 3D models. There's people designing new products. There's people tweaking existing products. There's people working with clients. There's um, there's a lot of learning that's gone in. Then there's a huge amount of work that's gone on with the kind of development. So like the kind of things that you don't see behind the website, but but also really about how we manage loads and loads of digital information, how we handle you know, imagine we have 50 products and every product has 10 versions because everything gets made sort of on demand post-purchase. So essentially, we want to get to a point where anyone can sort of specify the size of something and, and within reason get it made to the size they want. Mm -hmm. but then we have to deal with all the different types of material choices, thicknesses. So there's just like loads and loads of things that we had to sort of take on as challenges that I feel we're really in a good position to, you know, deliver on. Yeah. Um, so we've actually done loads and loads of work that's almost not evident yet. So I feel like this year is really exciting because a lot of that will really kick in. Yeah. Um, even now in sort of in February, we're going to start 
sort of for London, we're going to sort of start to say, you know, we're going to change something. We're going to try a new service, which is sort of like if you, you know, to make things within two weeks. So um, we can actually feed more work to our maker, fantastic maker network in London, mm. but also from a kind of consumer client point of view, it becomes easier to kind of engage with open desk and with making yeah. with this kind of idea of getting things made locally through the website. So there's a load of work that's gone on with the website that will come online in February. Um, and then really it's also about bringing more designs on um, and then sort of saying, okay, can we start to look at other locations around the world rather than just a few projects? Can we actually grow around sort of the Bay area or, you know, New York, um, there's there's really kind of ambitious things that we, loads of makers that we're already working with that we think we could work a lot more with. So do you, there's, there's do real... you get to fly out to the Bay Area? And you... Well, you know, maybe someone needs to go. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, someone needs to go and check yeah, we're, we're going to be at the Maker Fair, which is San Mateo, which is just outside San Francisco in, I think that's in May. Um, there's obviously all the, you know, there's loads of things like the Milan Furniture Fair. There's the Maker Fair New York, which is in September... There's, there's a lot of events. We get invited to a lot of things. It's kind of exciting that our makers are all around the world, so they kind of want us to go and visit them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we obviously want to share out those opportunities to everyone in the team and make sure that we're also, you know, focused in the in the studio as well. So it's a, it's a balance, but, yeah. yeah. No, I, I need to go nice, to New York Nice again. to get these opportunities. <laughs> <you know. laughs> how, how, what, what's, the, what's the team size now at OpenDesk? Um, I think it's probably 22 people. 22 people? Yeah. Wow! So yeah, I'm going to say like four. No, it's <laughs> no. I mean, it's really from doing the crowd when we did this crowdfunding, probably about five of us, um, and then it's been you know a steady growth based on you know just needing to kind of build this capacity. So across all this kind of development, design, um, there's also kind of sales and marketing, and um, yeah, there's there's a real team now. So it's it's very exciting. And what's 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 your official role? Are you director? Um, well, I'm I'm a co-founder, and I've got somehow acquired this position of a kind of creative director. So I don't really know what that means, but you know, I get to design things, I get to sort of get involved in most things, and um, but you know, the the team can sort of run itself, and I'm probably going to be out of a job soon. <laughs> <laughs> Talk yourself out of a job. So you, I, I had no idea. So you're a creative director at a 22 person mm. company. You just yeah, thought you'd slip that in. No, piece well, of information. You know, awesome. I think we're no. Now you can now you can see on actually. I think just a week ago or so, we basically we put the whole sort of team page up on the website. We it wasn't that we were hiding it; we just hadn't got around to building it. It's like the whole web site is actually sort of catching up with what the real sort of work we're doing slightly. But yeah, it's 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 there That's now. So awesome! Yeah. I love the. I just love. It's nice that you're kind of you're having to uh, go backwards and make stuff big enough to hack the bandwidth that you're probably just yeah. chucking through yeah. it now so you've gone from i guess when you said i worked on a big building it took three and a half years in my head that's massive but right. then when you think as an architect you'll be mm. doing the design specification and handing that over to someone else mm. with all your furniture you're actually essentially doing almost everything you're going to check out check the the makers right yeah yeah there's lots to do um yeah <laughs> no, it's um but we you know a lot of it's about the you know, obviously, one of the main sort of focus points to to you know, it's about saying you know, okay, we're interested in in making, we're interested in furniture, but we're interested in using technology to kind of 
um, you know, harness the technology that we have at our disposal to make this easier for everybody. And that's what sort of facilitating growth and, you know, being able to actually do this. Um, so, yeah, there's there's still a lot of projects where we're involved a lot, probably more than we need to be or should be, a bit like an architecture project. Yeah. And then there's other projects where we can sort of, you know, really trust a maker in New York to make a whole load of um, whole load of furniture for somebody. Um, we don't actually have to go there. We can just sort of check it remotely. So that's what's exciting. I still can't believe you're 20 people. Yeah. So you would... You can say that you're doing quite well then at the moment. <laughs> uh, you can say it. Come on. <laughs> no, I mean it's it is yeah, it's super exciting. Um I don't think we expected maybe to to grow like that, but um I think um yeah, it's yeah. Wow. And 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 you still see that climbing is your No, I think now we've built a load of these systems, we've we can actually grow the amount of kind of, you know, the, the volume if you like without the growing the team so mm. much like maybe a couple of people um if we do start doing a lot more in the states then you know we will have to spend time and even think about whether we need people um you know there more of the time so you know there, there's obvious things that we need to look at is that because of the startup market and yeah of... i mean a lot of the work yeah as i said sort of started out with you know we still really need you know this is a whole new concept for a lot of people so mm. meeting someone understanding seeing Seeing, you know, the furniture, understanding the model, maybe visiting the workshop. Um, that's really, you know, for some people, that's that's like a real big part of it. So that's we need so to do, cool. we do need to get involved physically in a lot of things. We love to do that. It's just, you know, obviously you can't do that with everybody. Otherwise, we need a massive team. Yeah, like an even bigger team. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Already, yeah. the, yeah, we need a bigger team. No. You'll be 50 next time I talk to you. <laughs> right, well... Uh, that's bang on the hour mark wow. so I guess uh, thank you so much for coming that was really interesting my pleasure thanks for the invite thank you very much well there you go that was episode 17 of the Create More podcast with Johnny Steiner um, I think what you should do is you should down tools and go to opendesk.cc and check out their furniture and also uh, I have a work experience student coming to make and he's a 16 year old kid um and he doesn't know what he wants to do. This is like, I don't even remember doing work experience. I did mine at Curry's. I probably should have been a little more ambitious. But he's going to come in and I have a point. Stick with it. Uh, and what I'm going to do is uh, you can download these files uh, from OpenDesk. Uh, so I'm going to get this kid who doesn't know, he wants to be, he doesn't, doesn't know what he wants to do with life. So I'm going to show him uh, OpenDesk. I'm going to get him to build like a 1 to 10 model of a desk. And then I'm also going to get him to go on WikiHouse and download all the files to build a little house. So that's going to be his task for a week is to download and build an open source desk and an open source house, which is something I desperately want to do. But I have like a job. Mm, I don't have time. I also have a kid. There you go. I've just had a boy, a baby boy. He's a week old. Um, and he is awesome. Uh, but a little pooing machine. So uh, that's why I don't have time to build a little house of wiki house or a little desk or open desk. Um, but yeah, you should um, go on the website and check it out. And because... Uh, I can't wait. Again, another guy I want to interview in like a year's time to see what they're up to. Uh, he's uh, he's definitely going on to my repeat interview list. Um, someone else who I want to interview again, I think I touched on this last time, was uh, I really want to try and get Alistair Parvin on again and do a talk. Um, I haven't spoken to him about this yet, but uh, see, what, see what I can do. Um, 
But as part of the Create More uh, podcast, what we're trying to do is, I keep saying we, and people keep asking me why I say we, um, but to me the podcast is uh, uh, is uh, bigger than just me. It's uh, I talk about lots of people, and I have Oliver Wrigley, who is... Um, He's kind of starting to build a website, which I keep meaning to do, but I, I really, really want to do. And then uh, a really big part who's also coming to join is uh, Sam Barkley, who is on the Kickstarter special. Um, he is an amazing graphics designer, as you well know from listening to the podcast. And uh, he's he's going to like, we're going to rebrand and uh, uh, he's going to kind of create a cool logo from scratch. So we were discussing, you know, what do we want the Create More podcast to be? Like, what do we want to do? And, it, like, we're both really passionate about talking uh, about design and things. Um, but we, when we were talking, I kind of realized that I really wanted to branch out not just architecture and design, you know, these are things I love. But the things I'm incredibly passionate about as well are films, um, love films, um, and also computer games. And I actually, when I say computer games, I don't play them that much, but I love the concept ideas behind them. I think they're gorgeous um, and I love all the kind of concept art and I feel that that kind of ties back in with architecture and design and stuff. Um, so these are all things that I want to explore more of. So what I am doing is I have uh, a friend called Will Nash who is, um, well, I'm not underselling him, he's a camera operator, but he's also, he's a director as well and he's doing short films and uh, he's just a really interesting guy about films and knows a shit ton about films so i'm gonna get him on and we're gonna talk all about how you how the hell you become a director i mean pick up a camera and direct yeah got it but you know actually to make a career out of it and then um i've also got uh another friend called james broadley who is um i think that's his surname I've known him for so long, I actually know his surname. Uh, anyway, he is a computer game designer and he does um, uh, computer games for the Steam uh, PC operating software. And I had a chat with him yesterday and I realized uh, I had like the most fun nerd out about computer games. Um, so I'm going to talk to him as well. Um, so that, you know, that breaches me into films and movies quite nicely uh, and computer games. Um, and then we've also got... Um, a guy from uh, version 3.0, which is a brilliant podcast, uh, a new one. And he runs the comedy uh, Camden Room, uh, Camden Comedy Room, sorry. Uh, he, I'm going to interview him as well. So that's stand-up, acting, films and computer games. How's that for branching out? So, um, yeah, so exciting times. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, you should subscribe because uh, it would be really, really helpful. And I always forget to say that at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, and follow me on Twitter at um, Create More PCAST. So thank you very much. Enjoy. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 